we see over and over this idea of don't be unequally yoked. And so here in the Jewish and Christian mixed marriage world with believers in Jesus, you get the convergence of all of these expectations and prescriptions and commandments, people going, I don't know what to do. I'm a believer. How do I put this all together? Welcome back to another episode of A Jew and a Gentile Discuss. I'm your co-host, Ezra Benjamin. And I'm Carly Berna. And we are, respectively, a Jew and a Gentile who both believe in Jesus and believe there's value in looking at history, as well as today's world and the headlines in the news through both a Jewish and a Christian lens. Carly, today we are in part two of a two-part series we're doing on what's called in the Jewish world, mixed marriages. And what that means is one spouse has a Jewish background of whatever particular flavor and the other does not. Specifically, we're uh, interviewing couples where one spouse has a Jewish background and the other has a Christian background. And so today in part two, we have the honor of sharing the mics with Aaron and Maria Baer. Aaron is the president of Center for Christian Virtue based in Columbus, Ohio. Maria is a writer extraordinaire, a stay-at-home mom, and a fellow podcaster, so we're in for a treat. Erin and Maria, thanks so much for being with us. Thanks for having us. Sure. Well, before we jump into this this, uh, exciting topic of mixed marriages, Jewish and Christian backgrounds, uh, I want to let you know that you, uh, our listeners, can stand with some Jewish communities in parts of the world you may never have known there were Jewish communities living. And you can help meet some very practical needs of these communities in the name of Jesus. And as a thank you for that, we want to get you some delicious Ethiopian coffee roasted right here in our hometown, Carly, of Phoenix, Arizona. More details are on our website at jewandagentiledisgust.org. And if you stay tuned through the end of this podcast, we'll tell you how you can get a chance, I'll say, to win some of that coffee for free. So more details uh, at the bottom of this show. But Carly, let's jump right in. All right. Well, thank you guys so much for joining us. Before we start, can you both give us just like your elevator speech testimony? Maria, why don't you go first? Yeah, sure. I will share my testimony. I just want to make sure that I can get my hands on some of that coffee, though. Like just I I get some of that, right? For we'll doing prayerfully that. consider. We'll see how the podcast okay. goes. And then Fair we'll enough. Let you guys know. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Fair enough. Um, well, I was raised Catholic. My family was very um, intentional about raising us to be believers in Jesus. And we went to mass every Sunday. I celebrated my first communion in second grade, but it sort of was kind of peripheral in my life. It was just something we did kind of culturally, even though it was very serious to my parents. You know, it, it takes a while for kids to really lean into what that is. And when I was 16, um, a friend invited me to her Protestant church, actually. And it was the first time I'd um, heard preaching that was kind of more expository and more personal than what I'd heard in the Catholic Church. And I just started reading my Bible. It's kind of an kind of an uneventful testimony, but I love it because it's that's really when I met Jesus. I think I was 16 years old. And I remember the day I read Mark 8, 34 was the verse that always meant the most to me. And this is when Jesus actually says to his followers, um, if you want to follow me, you have to take up your cross and follow me. And That spoke to me because I felt like, you know, I'm a really passionate person and I had always been, you know, two feet jumping into everything I did. And I always felt like I was a little bit too much for some people. I was too into school, too into the music I was doing. People are always asking me to tone it down. At least that's what I felt like. And this was the first time I felt like somebody is asking me for everything I have. 
um, that Jesus doesn't just want me to show up on Sundays. He wants everything. And I, I was wanting somebody to want that from me. Um, and so that was uh, when I decided to really give my life to Jesus. Um, and my parents were thrilled. And, uh, you know, I kept going to Mass, um, but, but started having some questions just about my Catholic faith. And by the time I went to college, uh, really considered myself then to be a Protestant. So my family is still very devoutly Catholic, and they all really do love Jesus. I don't go to Catholic Church anymore, but I have you know an incredible amount of respect for that uh, community. Um, but have been going to Protestant churches now since college. So, but that's kind of when I met Jesus, sixteen. Got it. Well, I can relate. Uh, we've talked about this, but I was also raised Catholic, so right. I relate to a lot of that. Mm-hmm. How about you, Aaron? Yeah, it's both my parents are ethnically Jewish, but both actually came to belief before I was born. And uh, and so we were raised kind of doing primarily Christian traditions, Christmas, Easter, but we still did Hanukkah, we did Passover. I have great memories of doing Seders growing up. My dad was, was very much uh, involved with the, the local synagogue uh, in our town. Uh, so we'd go visit there from time to time. And then my dad's side of the family are Jewish. And, and uh, you know, but very much of your you know, American Jews, if you will, in terms of going to temple, maybe Rosh Hashanah, maybe Rosh Hanukkah, that kind of thing. But and, and doing some, you know, doing Passover seders uh, occasionally from time to time. But uh, but we really did grow up doing, um, having a, a great appreciation of, for me, my faith really w- was baptized at 13, you know, really around 17, got really serious about my faith. And, and you know, especially in, in that exploration there, didn't really have a full appreciation for the blessing it is to have that Jewish background until we got older and had an op- a few opportunities to go to Israel and dive deeper into to that connection. I'll say a part of, I think a, a real part of my faith. Uh, interacting with Maria's family and and seeing the beauty of the Catholic faith and the Catholic tradition uh, and, and seeing that they were some of the first Catholics I met in uh, in college uh, that had really taken their faith seriously and really loved Jesus and so you know I, I think our our wedding was a, a pretty fun expression of you know it was if somebody came it was a pretty they probably classified it as a Protestant evangelical type wedding ceremony. But if you were paying attention, you'd see Catholic and Jewish traditions interwoven in there as well, uh, which made it a pretty, pretty fun, uh, pretty fun day for us. Uh, really represented the, all the different perspectives that weighed into both of our faiths growing up. And you know, for our listeners, they may be saying, "Okay, so two Jewish parents, but the parents received Jesus as their Messiah, as their Savior, really before Aaron, before you were born, correct?" Correct. And so. You, you grew up like, an, as we say, the Toyota Prius, you know, of American major religious <laughs> systems, right? The hybrid. And and people may not know what box to put that in and say, well, that's kind of a funny story. But I want to challenge our audience a bit. A survey that came out about three years ago said that there's perhaps as many as 945,000 Americans in churches who have at least one Jewish grandparent. Uh, and in your case, much more, much more directly two Jewish parents. And so Aaron's story is unique, but it's not as unique as maybe our audience may think. And there's hundreds of thousands like you out there, many of whom uh, statistics tell us that half of American Jewish marriages right now are mixed marriages, where the other spouse doesn't have any Jewish background, any Jewish heritage. And so you guys aren't alone in dealing with this. And that's part of uh, why we wanted to do this podcast, Carly, is to 
to uh, tell the stories of, of uh, a community of Americans that people may not be aware exists, but there's hundreds of thousands out there. So it's an exciting thing. Real quick, just what's funny about about my experience, especially with my cousins. So my cousins that were all that are all still practicing Jews, both of their parents married Protestants as well. So ethnically speaking, me and my siblings are actually, you know, uh, DNA wise, we're more Jewish you know, uh, than, than they are, but they're still practicing. Uh, in, in the Jewish faith, you know what I mean? So it's, 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 you know, it's just the way of the world is right now where, you know, you have the bloodline and then you have the practicing of the faith and it's an interesting dynamic. Sure. And, uh, you know, a little bit of commentary here uh, of, in the U.S., a reasonably strong rabbinic Jewish community who draws some lines and says, here's who's Jewish and here's who's not. But part of our part of our purpose in this podcast is to sort of shine a little bit of a spotlight on the hundreds of thousands of American Jews who ethnically, as you said, historically have a Jewish heritage and in many cases continue to live that Jewish identity. But because of marriage, because of faith in Jesus, because of other religious practices are maybe excluded from that mainline Jewish community. And yet here we are with our stories to tell and with our callings in life and uh, and our own testimonies. So. Uh, we're telling your story today. So let me let me back up a little bit before we talk about the beauty of the wedding, which I know we're going to dive more into. Aaron, your parents are Jewish and they believe in Jesus. Was there ever a discussion before you got into the dating world or maybe when Maria showed up on the scene and you're thinking this could be the girl I'm going to marry about the idea of be Jewish, stay Jewish? I know, you know, some people have that experience, some don't. But the idea in Jewish thought of passing on that Jewish identity from generation to generation. And Judaism is always one generation away from extinction, they say. And that sometimes in families doesn't come up until the issue of marriage is on the table. So talk a little bit about that. Yeah, no, you know, that, that really wasn't uh, an issue for, for us as we were we, we were getting married, I think. You know, the, the biggest issue I can think about there was when uh, I was going to buy my first car and my grandmother told me not to buy a German-made car. Uh, that seemed to be her biggest, her bigger concern than uh, than who I married, uh, which is a whole other, uh, whole other issue altogether. And then there's some some other funny stories around politics and and uh, and our Jewish, yeah. The the I, I always joke that when, when my my I work in very conservative politics, and when I uh, when my grandmother found out what I do, she said, you know, when when your dad became a Christian, I told him, well, at least you're not a Republican. So, so there's been other ways that I've disappointed my Jewish family beyond, uh, I think we talked about that in the last time I was with you guys talking a little bit more about politics, but, uh, but there's been other ways I disappointed my, my family beyond marrying this, uh, this sweet Catholic girl here. Uh, but, uh, but yeah, that, that was, thankfully that wasn't an issue that came up. My, my family, on the other hand, said, buy the German car. They tried to kill us. We survived. Get the turbo engine. Pick it to so, Anyway, I'm not going to tell our audience whether I did that. but yeah. So, Maria, at this point when you're dating Aaron, you know, you're a Christian. You're now dating a Jewish believer. I don't know if you even saw him in that way. But were there issues that came up? Like, were there weird things you experienced when you were dating someone who had a Jewish background? Um, so it came up. I mean, that what I remember is going to his mom's house to have a Seder. And that was the first Seder I'd ever had in my life. This is before we got married. So we were just dating. And I rem oh my gosh, I just absolutely loved it. And the way she did it was so sweet. Um, just really, I felt really involved and welcomed. And, you know, I always was, a I was aware of it, like meeting his 
grandma. So Aaron's grandma that he mentioned is just the coolest woman, Stella. And she, you know, she grew up in New York. So she has that New York accent. She's very quintessentially grandma, you know, Jewish grandma. Um, So it was a lot of fun to get to know her uh, and learn about learn about it through there. But it didn't come up so much in terms of like, it never felt like a conflict or anything like that. Because by the time we met, of course, um, in college, we met in a Christian group in college. So we, you know, we had the most important thing in common. Like we both loved Jesus at that point. So it never felt like a conflict. If anything, I was excited about it. I thought it was really cool. Um, We had been dating, I think maybe six months when I had the opportunity to hear a sermon from Ray Vanderlyn who is a Messianic Jewish rabbi who lives in Michigan. Um, I forget the name of his organization, but the 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 gist of his sermon was basically, if you don't understand the Jewish roots of Christianity, then you don't understand pretty much anything Jesus said in the Gospels. Like everything he said has, he was saying mostly to Jewish audiences and has a Jewish undertone to it and is some allusion to the Old Testament and that kind of thing. And he said it in a really kind way, but also I I felt like I was like knocked on my feet. Like I need to know a lot more about this than I do. Um, and it, so if, if anything, I was really excited to be able, you know, to be part of this community now and family with Aaron that knew more about it than me, like was celebrating Seders and Hanukkah. And, you know, I could learn more about it in that way. So um, if anything that, you know, there, I would never, I wouldn't call it a conflict, but my parents, I think there was a little bit of disappointment that I wasn't going to be able to get married in the Catholic church. So if you're, if you're not marrying someone who's Catholic, that you're not allowed to get, have a mass and get married inside the Catholic church. And I think my parents had to deal with a little bit of disappointment with that, but it, it didn't, you know, it had nothing to do with Aaron being Jewish or anything. It was just more, um, yeah, I didn't find a Catholic dude. The the funny thing about that first, uh, I forgot about that first Seder we did, which was, you know, I'm, I'm the, uh, I'm the youngest sibling. So I always, you know, my, my part of the Passover Seder was always, you know, read the, the, the portion that the youngest at the table reads. Um, and, uh, this Seder was one of the first, my, my parents had divorced by this time and we had shown up at my mom's house. We said we were going to do Passover Seder and I didn't realize I showed up and I was the oldest Jewish male there. And so I went from uh, having the, to, to read the portion to only the youngest. I was leading that Seder. <laughs> I had no idea what I was doing. Uh, and, uh, but it still was, you yeah. Th- thankfully, there comes a, a manual that comes with the uh, Passover service of the Seder, and you can, uh, you can figure it out. So. <laughs> <laughs> our, our, we, and we still had the, the 1983 Max, Maxwell House, Agata, those are still the ones we use to this day that sometimes you open them up and you'll get crumbs from my dad's beard that were in there from, you know, 20 years ago. (laughs) (laughs) From generation to generation, Aaron, Mm -hmm. it's time for you to deposit your own crumbs. You know, the oil Mm -hmm. falling from the forehead. Exactly. exactly. (laughs) That's it. it. In terms of, you know, identities and Maria, you spoke a little bit about to this, the idea of, of disappointment and expectation you know, in the Jesus-believing world, either from a Jewish perspective or from a Christian perspective, we have this idea of a biblical pres- uh, prescription, if you will, for marriage. In the Old Testament, you know, incumbent upon the Jewish people was this idea of marry Jewish, stay Jewish. And if somebody who's not Jewish wants to marry you, they better commit for life to being a part of the people of Israel, kind of, or else, or you're in trouble, you're in hot water. And then in the New Testament, 
we see over and over this idea of don't be unequally yoked. And so here in the Jewish and Christian mixed marriage world with believers in Jesus, you get the convergence of all of these expectations and prescriptions and commandments and obligations. Speak a little bit to that. I mean, just your, your perspective on that. People going, I don't know what to do. I'm a believer. How do I put this all together? Yeah, I think for me, like I said, the the most important thing is that we both believed in Jesus and not just believed he was real, but wanted to live lives oriented towards doing what he created us to do. You know, like we're we both are interested in building the kingdom of God. So um that was that was the most important thing. Um I don't know that at, you know, we got married relatively young. We were 22. I don't know that I would have articulated it exactly in that way, but I still knew, I think through the Holy Spirit, that that was what was most important as opposed to, you know, whether our lifestyles were the same or our traditions were the same. You know, if anything, I looked at it then as I, by marrying Aaron, I was adding something to my life, not just in terms of a spouse, but traditions and family and a different background. It never, I never looked at it as like, well, am I going to be able to do Christmas now? And am I going to, you know, that kind of thing. It was just more, it was more of an addition sort of deal. But I I think if I were talking to someone who is uh, either looking to get married or is of marrying age, I think truly the most important thing, I mean, I I hesitate, but I almost want to say the only really important thing is if you're both living lives oriented towards following Jesus. Um, And, you know, implied in that is that when you come together to marry, you're both acknowledging that you will never part. Like it's just not an option. Those, I think, you know, we, we tend to obsess over things like compatibility a little bit too much, I think, sometimes at the detriment of just recognizing if, if the two of you, you know, if you love each other and you love God and you're committed to the commitment, that's the most important thing. Everything else is, is stuff that can be worked through, you know? Yeah, you know, I, I think there, there's a few things that, that jump to mind for me here. I, you know, I, I think one part of this, you know, and my brother and I have talked a lot about this because, you know, I, I think broadly speaking from my perspective, there there has been a little bit of uh, what does this Jewish heritage mean for us now as, as believers? And my brother is a believer as well. And, and you know, kind of praying through, you know, the, the idea of okay, God, why did you why did you bless me with this this background? And but we're not in the traditional sense of what society expects uh, a Jewish person to do. We're, we're we no longer you know identify with that specific community as much. We identify more with this community over here. And and I think one of the things that that God has really convicted me on, especially as Maria talked about reading through the New Testimony, is is that these these two fundamental truths about about who I am, uh, somebody of Jewish heritage, but also somebody who is uh, sold out for Jesus are not in conflict with each other. Um, and and bringing those two things uh, in alignment with, with one another. And so that it's, it's in that context that, that we look at this, this idea of the, of the Jewish line. And, and it's, it's interesting right now, I'm, I'm, I'm reading through Nehemiah, going to be doing a, a sermon on this actually later. And one of the things that at the end of Nehemiah, he gets really upset about is he sees that the Jewish people are once again marrying outside of the, the Jewish uh, community. And, and he really upsets him. It's really, he's violating God's law. And, and, and the question is, why was that against God's law? Why did that bother him? And it wasn't because, you know, God was some 
you know, great racists that opposed all these other people. It's because God cared so, God was so jealous over his, his law, his, his righteousness, his, his precepts, his principles, and didn't want to see those degraded and, and lessened in the land. Uh, and, and, you know, Jesus didn't come to abolish the law. He said that directly. He, the, 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 it's still his precepts, his principles are still eternal and good. And so it's in that context that I view our marriage and our children, which is, you know, we, we are, we're united around those principles. We're united around the, these, those precepts and are committed to passing those on to our children uh, and, to, and to fulfilling those and, and, and promoting those in our lives in all ways. Uh, and that is, that's the yoke that, that, that bonds us there. Um, and that's the continuity that I feel with the sort of the Jewish tradition and, and what we do today. So, Maria, you mentioned a little bit earlier that you you guys met in college, but I feel like there's a great backstory to how you met. I feel like Aaron even told this story one time, but can you retell it to our everyone listening? I'm so happy that you asked me to tell this and not Aaron because I just love telling the story. <laughs> yes. So we met um, – he was one of the first people I met, and I think he was. I think I was one of the first people he met. We both went to Ohio University in Athens, Ohio, and um, we had both gone to this little meet and greet event for a Christian ministry. And I, this is a rather long story, but Ohio University was not my first choice. I wanted to go to a small Christian school, but my parents, I think, in their wisdom, which I didn't recognize as wisdom at the time, they didn't want me to go. To this Christian school. They wanted me to go to OU. But I, in my mind, I was like, I'm not going to be here very long. I'm going to transfer to this school I really want to go to. So I don't really care about making friends, this kind of thing. So when I met people at this Christian group, I kind of had a chip on my shoulder. I wasn't uh, especially friendly or uh, charming. And Aaron and I did not hit it off. We were we were kind of sworn enemies. We ended up joining the worship team together. So I played the guitar and sang, and Aaron played the drums, um, which for anybody who plays music will know that's already a toxic combination because he played way too loudly. Um, but what's funny is our, our pastor at the time in that Christian group would always tell us, you guys are going to get married. And we'd be like, oh, I can't stand him, you know, that kind of thing. And Aaron was uh, seeing another girl at the time and all that. And then, um, you know, the months went by sophomore year. Um, we, you know, we were still we were friends. We saw each other every week. We were doing we had a, a sweet little worship night and Bible study every night as part of this Christian group. And we did a lot of volunteer work together around campus and that sort of thing. Um, somewhere in there, Aaron went on a break, broke up with this girl he was seeing. They were on a break, killed the man to say. Um, and then, yeah, I mean, it was very organic. Like we just got very close through that Christian group. And, you know, it's very intimate when you're having Bible study together every week and talking about your life. That's one of the beauties of Christian community generally is that when you share the most important thing, you know, and your worldview in common, it's really easy to become close with someone. And, um, yeah, that winter of our sophomore year, we just started hanging out more and more often. And then it just kind of blossomed into a romance. <laughs> so after you guys decided to get married, of course, you have two beautiful children now who I love. When you were thinking about having a family, was the Jewish background and the Christian holidays piece something you talked about? Or did you did you talk about, you know, celebrating both Passover and Easter or Christmas and Hanukkah? Or how did that come up? So I was really excited about it. When we 
got pregnant with our first. Um, I think really the the first true conversation we had about the reality that our children were going to be Jewish was in thinking about their names. Um, you know, because by that point we had been married six years before we had our first, and so we'd already gotten into a rhythm of, you know, we have a we have our um, we do a little Hanukkah celebration and then Christmas, and we have a, we had a seder every year and that sort of thing. So we we kind of already had our routine with that kind of stuff down. Um, but when we were pregnant, and it's sort of you know just the realization that oh my goodness, our children are going to be Jewish and born with this heritage. Like I was super excited about it, and um, so with our first. I remember we were talking about names and Aaron had grown up. Aaron had said he would like to try and, and um, stick to biblical names. And um, Aaron had grown up going to a Christian summer camp and all of the cabins were named after biblical characters. And there was a cabin named Naomi. And this was before we knew we were having a girl even. And he said, I always loved that name and I loved it right away. Um, and so we agreed to name our first girl, Naomi. And then when our second, when we were pregnant with our second and found out she was a girl, uh, we were really excited about that as well and decided to name her Elizabeth and we call her Ellie. Um, so it was really fun having that conversation around their names. Um, but we always knew too, we would teach them, you know, about their Jewish heritage. We have some really awesome kids books um, just about the Old Testament and what it means to be Jewish. And now Naomi's grand or Naomi's godmom is a mutual friend, Angela. Um, and and can always be counted on when it's a holiday or just because she sends Naomi the best books about her Jewish heritage um, and what it means to be Jewish and who are the Maccabees and my first Seder and all that. So we have some really sweet um, kids literature about that kind of stuff. Um, like teaching kids about Jewish heritage, the the old Rugrats episodes, those things hold up. Like uh, they're 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 high quality for for teaching uh, the, the 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 stories of, uh, of Jewish heritage. It's pretty good. There's so much Jewish heritage in Hollywood. You're gonna find it. It's inevitable. Look at the cartoons. Look at the stories. Look at Nickelodeon. You're right. So if you would if you would ask your kids if they were Jewish, would they know that they are? Naomi would. Yeah, our oldest would. Yeah. I think, and I don't know if, I don't know if she'd recognize the word Jewish, but if I asked her, are you in Moses's family? She would say yes. That, I think that was when it first clicked with her. We were, she learned about Moses in school and I told her like, you know, Naomi, he's in your family. Like he is your, you know, he's a grandfather way, way down the line, you know, and she just for days, that was the coolest news she'd ever heard. And um, so she would, and I explained to her, you know, I, I am not in that family, but I get to be in that family now because I'm your mom and I'm married your dad. And, um, and the best part of that is we all love Jesus together and, and that sort of thing. So final, final question for you guys speak to somebody and, you know, I'm sure there's a bunch in our listening audience and statistics would tell us that there's a couple hundred thousand Americans in this situation of, Hey, I have a Jewish heritage and I'm thinking about marriage and I'm in a relationship with somebody who's not bringing that to the table or on the other side of the aisle, I'm in a relationship with somebody who does have a Jewish heritage. I don't know the implications. What should I do? Should I be nervous? Should I be excited? Just give, give our audience some advice in that regard. You know, I, I, you know, it's funny. I would even expand this really to anybody, um, but I, I think it goes back to, to what Maria Two things that is the one thing Maria said, one thing I said, um, one of just the importance of understanding the Jewish roots of uh, uh, of the Christian faith 
and 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 I I think especially for for folks that have Jewish heritage, understanding the gift that that is, I, I think that is you know the Jewish people are God's chosen are God's chosen people, and there's something beautiful about that and special about that and and mysterious about that, and I think. A lot of times in our our world today, our, our materialistic world we live in today, um, if something's not tangible, uh, it means it's not special. Or if we can't put a, a value to it, a dollar amount to it or something like that, it, it means it's not special. But but there is something, a unique gift uh, about having that, that heritage and, and to, to really embrace it and, and understand what it means. Uh, again, not, even beyond just, you know, oh, now I get to do Hanukkah, I get another day to get presents or I get, you know, now I get to do a Passover Seder or, or, or you know, Sukkot or whatever. It's it's even beyond that, just understanding the, the gift that that is and understanding what, what that heritage means and what that truth, the, the, the Jewish history means uh, to understanding Jesus, as Maria alluded to, uh, from Marie Vangelin, that I, I think is, is important across the board. Yeah, I agree. I think it, and it, this would go with any difference in a person that you're meeting and potentially going to marry. It's just remembering that, um, you know, once you get married, it's not two separate people that decided to build a life alongside each other. It's two people that become one person, um, you know, and so every part of you and every part of them gets to be part of a new life that you're building together. Uh, so there should be no fear in that, especially no fear of difference. Um, because you're going to learn how to do it together. Um, that doesn't mean there won't ever be any conflict or anything like that. But again, as long as you have the most important thing in common, if you, um, you know, you're devoted to Jesus, then, you know, he says in, I think it's um, Matthew 7. I forget the exact verse, but one of my favorite verses is seek first the kingdom of God and all these things will be added unto you. And whenever you're facing something like, you know, two people coming together to get married, that's stressful just in in terms of there's a lot going on. There's a lot to consider. It's a big change. Um, if you're seeking first the kingdom of God, all the rest will be added unto you. You know, you can you can figure out the traditions you guys want to do together. You can figure out, you know, the, the identity of your family and your children and what you want to teach them and all of that. Um, if you're seeking the kingdom of God, that will be added and it'll be lovely. That's how it's been for us. Awesome. Thank you guys for uh, sharing with our audience and with us today from the lessons you've learned and the treasures you've discovered in in uh, what the Jewish community would label a mixed marriage, but which we we understand is something something really awesome and life-giving. So Aaron and Maria Bear, thanks so much for being with us today. We appreciate you guys and looking forward to having you back uh, for another topic at some point. Thanks for having us, guys. This was fun. Thanks, guys. Well, we want to encourage you as we close out this episode, listen to part one, uh, another fantastic couple from the Los Angeles area living in the Messianic Jewish community there, living Jewish lifestyle, raising Jewish kids over there in, in a city which houses the third or fourth largest Jewish community on the face of the earth. And uh, be sure as well to check out our other podcast content at our website at jewandagentiledisgust.org or wherever you access your podcast content. And as promised, we want to give you the opportunity to learn about and even help meet the practical needs of some scattered Jewish communities living very tough lives in corners of the world you may never have known. There's even a Jewish population, places like Ethiopia, places like Zimbabwe, Northeast India. Opportunities to stand with those communities and do a little bit to make a big difference are on our website. And as a thank you for that, we want to send you some Lost Tribes Coffee Company, Bunabet Coffee. Bunabet means coffee house. 
in uh, Amharic, the, the uh, main Ethiopian language. And as you uh, sow into what we're doing and partnering with other ministries meeting the needs of Jewish communities in Jesus' name around the world, uh, you'll be able to enjoy some coffee every day as a reminder of the contribution you've made. And if you want to enter into a contest to get some free coffee, here's what you do. Text JG, JG, two letters, to 474747. Just for doing that, you'll be entered to win some free Lost Tribes coffee. And thanks in advance for considering the opportunity to stand with some of the Jewish communities we're standing with here at A Jew and a Gentile Discuss. Thanks for joining us today and be sure to check out future episodes. This show is a production of Jewish Voice Ministries International.